Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to our latest Outsports podcast. It is mid-April, but Jim has been transported to Minneapolis in January as he visits a friend in uh, at sub-freezing temperatures. Uh, this is reason number 7,649 to live in Los Angeles. Yes, it is galling. It was 70 and sunny here three days ago. Now it's 33 and light snow. <laughs> In late April. There's snow? I mean, it's not sticking, but it's like (laughs) flurrying. Wow. Why on earth would the the Vikings want to play outside when they could play inside? God, you know, the the old Vikings days in the 70s, when I remember, the the outdoor stadium gave them a huge advantage. And I think a lot of people thought it lost the advantage when they moved inside, but – I'm telling you, as far as someone who's going to the Super Bowl next year, thank God it's inside because I'm wondering what the hell are people going to do who visit Minneapolis, you know, in early February? You're going to have to <laughs> basically well, walk around crazy, the indoor the malls Vikings, all week. The, the Vikings couldn't win playoff games when it was outside, and they couldn't win playoff games when it was inside. So, so what does it matter? Oh, they went to four straight Super Bowls or four Super Bowls in, in the 70s when they were playing outside. They used to – if you're a Ram well, fan, did. the old L.A. Ram fans, right, oh, God, right, the Rams right. used to God, we, Rams would show, the Rams would show up to play Minnesota in a playoff game, and it'd be two degrees. And then the one time they got them in Los Angeles, the, literally the one time in 1978 was a massive El Nino, and it rained like two inches the day before the game. <laughs> it was like the Rams lost because they were playing in a mud pit. It was so ironic if you're a Ram fan. It was pretty pretty grim. But, yeah, so, yeah, the, right, the old the, Vikings didn't have that Super Bowl field the Vikings couldn't win. Super, they couldn't win the oh, Super oh, yeah. Bowl. Oh, oh, and four in the Super Bowl, yeah. Gotcha. Well, join, either join way, the Bills. I, I live in Los Angeles. Angeles. <laughs> yes, I'm glad I live in Los Angeles, too. Minneapolis is actually a great city to visit, but, yeah, I, I, it's a little bit uh, chillier than I wanted. Well, this week we had a, an interesting story from somewhere uh, up even further north, north from where Jim is. In Canada, uh, Sean Barber, who is uh, an Olympian, a world champion, an NCAA champion, he's a really good pole vaulter. He came out publicly in just about the quietest way you possibly could by posting something on Facebook and then going to radio silence. And it was so quiet that when Jim and I saw it, we thought, maybe we shouldn't write about this. Maybe somebody hacked into his Facebook account. It was posted at about 4 a.m. Eastern time. And uh, we we got confirmation from the Canadian Olympic Committee that he had, in fact, posted that himself, since his agent has confirmed that as well. And Sean Barber is now out to the world. And, Jim, he hasn't said anything about it other than his initial Facebook post. And you wrote a column about this is just kind of yet another way to let the world know who you are. 
Yeah, it was funny when you and I talked Monday, we were debating whether or not to run with it because we were wondering what if we jumped the gun because he had nothing on Instagram, nothing on his Twitter account. And it was like, um, like you said, what if he was hacked or what if he was playing a joke for some stupid reason? But no, it was legitimate. And it was strange because he has not, not that he had to, he hasn't thanked anybody on his Facebook page, hasn't posted anything on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram all week, has made no comment to the Canadian press about it. And he is, I mean, for historical purposes, only 21 men have jumped six meters in pole vault, which is like 19 feet, eight inches. And he's one of he's one of the rare the rarefied breed that have done that. He's really good. He won the world championships two years ago. Uh, didn't have a great Olympics, but it may have had to do with some issue he had with a drug test where he got suspended and got reinstated, and it's really you know kind of confusing. So that may have affected his mental state. But he's really good. I mean, well, you know, like you talk about elite athletes in your sport, he he, he isn't you know he's an excellent athlete, and if he keeps going, could win the gold medal in you know three years, depending on how it goes. So to have that big of a name, dude, we've had other people we've written about who came out on Facebook or Twitter, but, you know, they were high school players or, you know, they didn't play big sports. And so that was sort of left that we would miss it. But it was interesting to me that I guess this is a way to do it. You simply put it out there and then let everybody else talk about it. You don't talk about it and go on with your thing. He's going to be at the Drake Relays in Iowa this week. And I'm curious to see if he talks about it then. Well, I I got to believe he'll talk about it with somebody, whether that person is a member of the media or not. I imagine he'll have a couple of questions and probably lots of people thanking him and congratulating him. And, uh, you know, this is a big step for somebody at, at his level. But, you know, it reminded me of how Robbie Rogers came out. Uh, I think a lot of people forget that Robbie, I think it was 2013, uh, it was February. He had, he had been out drinking with friends. <laughs> and got home late one night, and he had kind of been working on some kind of a coming out letter and just decided in his mildly inebriated state that he would he'd just post it on his blog and, and shut down his computer and just go to bed. And that's what he did. And he woke up the next day to uh, uh, whispers and then floods of reaction to it, and he was just kind of quiet about it for a little while just let what he wrote I and mean, he wrote a lot more he wrote many paragraphs and and and, and simultaneously with coming out uh retired from soccer which of course he he, uh, he unretired realizing that you could be gay in soccer but it was it reminded me of that that uh that you know robbie did this and he was a professional soccer player so we we have seen it before and it just seems like a really interesting way to do it kind of a good way that if you want to get the news out there but you're not ready to tell your whole story just kind of blurt it out <laughs> shut off your computer and go to bed yeah i imagine that sean's gotten a lot of messages from people he knew and everything but i think what it shows is again the importance of visibility that i think that's all we sort of argued that yeah it'd be great if sean barber had come out sports and done his story without sports but the bottom line is we just want to know these people exist and until they acknowledge it some way we can't write about it. We had it during the Olympics where we would get a tip on someone and we'd write about it. And then we had, I forget what, you know, another, another Canadian athlete who actually had a representative write us and say that they wanted it removed because this athlete wasn't technically publicly out in her mind. And it was a, kind of a strange story that we acceded to, but the visibility is, you know, he's gotten more than 2000 sort of thumbs ups or likes on Facebook 
and 300 messages. And so the stories run all over the world. I mean, track and field is big in other parts of the world, especially in Europe. And it's been picked up in, uh, I saw Dutch and I saw Polish and I saw German. Um, So people are kind of acknowledging this. And this is a guy who will be on the international circuit and he's openly gay and he's one of the top people in the sport. So I do think it's actually kind of a cool way to do it. And it kind of shows you can, there are myriad ways to come out. You don't have to have a big media thing. We've had the opposite where people like Jason Collins, they do it with Sports Illustrator to people that Howard Brightman has helped bring out where it's an orchestrated campaign. Here's Sean, for whatever reason, at four in the morning, decided to just post it. And it was pretty, it was 54 words. I'm out and proud. Thanks, mom and dad. My family, friends have been great. And that was it. And so it, it, but again, it allows us to now say, okay, here's another athlete, right? There's no more speculation about him. He's out. And I think that's one of the key things about it um, that, it just brings another face, and that's what we kind of want. You know, it's like, who are these people? They exist, and they can compete at their sport at a high level. So I wonder if we'll see more like this, and, you know, what do you think? I'm going to be curious. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what kind of media reaction does. I, he is going to be out in public at the Drake Relays. I'm curious to see if this horde of media is going to show up to talk to him. Of course, he's not an NFL player. He's not an NBA player, but he is Canadian. Uh, he is the world champion. He won the world championship in 2015 in the pole vault. He, he, he's one of the greatest athletes in his sport ever. So I, in, in, the, in the track media is already going to be at the Drake Relay. So I, I'm just curious to see if this, uh, you know, his, his announcement and then silence will will bring about a, a lot of questions. Will bring about a press conference or where he's asking. I mean, uh, it's it, it's impossible to believe that an NCAA champion and world champion and Olympian is going to be at the Drake relays and 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 not have to answer a couple questions about it. Or, or would be would it be willing to answer a couple questions about it? I mean. He, you have to have at some level known what he was doing when he posted the Facebook page, and people are curious and interested, and he hasn't asked, answered a single question since. So I'm going to be curious to see what does unfold at the Drake Relays because it's got to be something. Well, and I, I think he almost has to say something, even if the something is, listen, I put it out there. That's all I want to talk about now. I want to just focus on my jumping for the week. I'll, week, I'll have more to say about it later, but, yeah, you know, it, What's there is there. And, it, I mean, it'd be weird for him to simply say no comment. Like, what does that mean, no comment? Yeah. But you, you would think, but again, 4 a.m. maybe, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it just seemed like an odd time on a Sunday night, Monday morning to post something. But, you know, it was a week before the great releases, and it's a, you know, it's a big deal. And I haven't checked to see if he's in the NCAA. So that it, hmm? It's it's it, it well I, nothing sorry you, you said you, you you checked to see if he's in the NCAA what I mean I'm, I'm checking to see like well I mean the NCAA's are in June so I assume he has many other big meets coming up and if he's you know he's so good he's there is a circuit you know the World Track thing championships are happening in London this spring or this uh, summer so it was kind of an interesting time to put it out you know that like to put it out maybe right when this outdoor season's getting started. Um, so I'd be curious to see, like, well, why now? What what prompted this 4 a.m. post? Like, boom, out there. And, yeah, I'd love for him to talk about it. I think he's have to say something, even if it's simply I'll address it later. But if you're a journalist, you have to ask him about it. I mean, you'd be derelict if you literally see him and say, hey, what's going on, Sean? Anything new? 
So and the, the, the Drake, let me just say, the Drake realized. I thought that was a college meet. No, it's kind of a. I don't. It, it's it's a has a long tradition, and it's kind of. I think it's an invitational. Or, you know, meaning that that he posted on Twitter that they're going to be three Olympian pole vaulters at the Drake relays. That it's Got not it. a college okay. meet. It's a. Yeah. It's sort of like it's it's one of the it's one of the big outdoor meets that has a long history. Um, when this country used to care more about track and field, but yeah, people in track know the Drake relays. I mean, I've been to Des Moines every year and Got it. I've been in Iowa Drake relay time and it's, you know, we tried to get a hotel room last year in Des Moines and we couldn't because of the Drake relay. So it's, Got so it. I mean, it's a big meet for him. Well, it's, you know, there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of guys, two, two, at least two others from the Olympics who are going to be vaulting this week. Well, yeah, that was, so again, it, 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 uh, he doesn't have to answer questions. What you just said was super interesting. He 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 could just say, "Listen, I'm talk about this another time. This is a meet. I want to focus on my pole vaulting, you know, and, and that's just the way it is." And and I respect that. I I, I respect if he doesn't ever talk about it again. It's just it's it's interesting yeah. and odd, but I I respect it. Uh, and I hope the I hope the media respects whatever. If he wants to talk about it, great. They should ask the question. I mean, the question's certainly out there, but I hope they respect. Uh, we respect his wishes, but you know, speaking of uh, the media and respecting gay athletes' wishes, uh, you know, you, you mentioning that he didn't do so hot at the Olympics, and you know, there there were some uh, allegations that he had been doing cocaine and he had been stripped of his uh, Canadian championship. I I wonder, you know, I just I just wonder because track and field is the second half of the week, correct? Yes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, swimming was the first, track and field was the second. So he was competing after the whole Nico Hines trying to seduce gay athletes and reporting about them uh, came out. And I just, I just, I would love to ask him if that was going through his head a little bit, that there's this reporter out there at the Olympics looking for closeted athletes, writing about his exchanges with some of them. And I just, I just wonder if that was on his radar screen and maybe affected him a little bit. Well, I think we need to let the, the listeners know. I mean, there, there were facts that weren't allegated. He he tested positive. He he won uh, at some. I think Canadian Olympic qualifying. He qualified for the Olympics. They didn't have a routine drug test. He tested positive for cocaine. Well, he challenged the test, saying that he had met a woman via a online ad. He kissed her, and she had used cocaine. Well, at a hearing, arbitration hearing, the woman testified, "Yeah, I ingested coke right before kissing Sean." And there had been a precedent set by, an, um, I forget the name, another athlete that had also had the same thing happen to him. And the Canadian arbitrator ruled that, given the preponderance of evidence, that it was a legitimate reason that, you know, Sean did not – ruled that Sean, you know, was clean, basically, that it was an inadvertent, accidental, that he had done everything to prevent himself from taking drugs and being around that. And, you know – so he then, you know, then was cleared to jump. But obviously that was that was a story among the Canadian press. And then you have the whole Nico Hines thing. And so we're wondering now that we know he's gay, you wonder how much of that may have just affected his psyche that, you know, this kind of stuff was happening right before his, you know, biggest time of the of, of the thing. And then you throw in the Nico Hines. I think it, you know, easily could have had some effect because, you know, for whatever reason, this was this was a time that was very stressful for him. And. These kind of things we know affect performance, but he did not jump as well in the Olympics as I think he finished tenth that he had yeah. in you know the previous the previous several other times. And then afterwards he jumped the uh, 
think he jumped the uh, six meters after that. But I mean, so it's like it was right around a really bad time for him. And mentally, that easily could have affected his performance. But yeah, the whole Nico Hine things clearly that happened Thursday and track didn't start till that uh, weekend. So it definitely, and the pole vault finals was that Monday. So it was about four days after. <laughs> Man, so many interesting questions to ask this guy. And uh, I, I hope he does open up a little bit. Obviously, it's, it's his story to tell. And, you know, he, he has, it's interesting, he hasn't really told his story about any of this he's just kind of dropped the news and and so there there is obviously a story to be told with uh cocaine allegations and nico hines and the olympics and coming out and parents and i there's a there's a certainly a fascinating story here sean if you're listening uh contact jim and me at outsports at gmail.com we'd love to talk to you uh, but uh, for the good news is he said he was he said he was out and proud and that's what we'll take for right now. Yeah, and and he's supported and and you know obviously the vast majority of the reactions on Facebook have been positive. And of course, there's always going to be some idiots who go on there and and uh, and and say what they're going to say. So, uh, but I, I you know I, I I'm sure that he's surrounded by support like like every other athlete who comes out is. That, that we've spoken to anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, transitioning to a, a, another story that we had this week, you know, it's funny. I, I, I was just wondering because we're hosting that uh, Pride Night at the at the Rockies game in in June during the Outsports reunion. I started to wonder how how many teams during Pride Month are having their having some kind of LGBT night, and I, I counted eleven that are having. Uh, a night during Pride Month, which is over a third of the of the league, and there are a bunch of other teams, the the Padres and and some others who are are having their nights uh, at other points in the in 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 the season. The Padres already had theirs actually. The Marlins are next month, um, and and so I I found Jim looking on Google and looking at this, the promotion schedules for every single one of the of the the Major League Baseball teams. Uh, that I found 16 who are having some kind of LGBT or Pride Night or out at the park or, or something to embrace the LGBT community. And some of them are acknowledged by the team, and some of them are run by you know their group their group sales events like with the Tigers. Um, but it kind of left me thinking, well, if it's 16 are doing it, there are 14 teams in Major League Baseball that don't have any plan whatsoever to have a Pride Night this this season. And certainly, you know, NFL teams don't don't have them because they just don't have many tickets to sell, uh, unless you're the, the Chargers or the Lions. And and the NBA and NHL, most of them don't have most of them don't have you know a lot of tickets to sell. Some of them do have events, uh, LGBT events, but Major League Baseball has so many tickets to sell. It's just odd to me that almost half of the league would have no plans to sell tickets when some of these events. The Nationals have 3,500 tickets they sell. It's odd to me that every single team would not be embracing this at some level. Yeah, when I saw the list, I was surprised. I would have, I would have guessed just I, I, I would guess oh probably three quarters of the teams had a Pride Night. I just would have guessed off the top of my head. So I'm really surprised. And you have big teams like the Angels don't have one. The Yankees, you know, in both in really liberal areas. I mean, it's Orange County, but, you know, but Orange County, 
you can be very gay in Orange County, as you know. Um, it's the Los yeah, Angeles really kind of Anaheim. Puzzle. Yeah, Los Angeles, whatever they are, the L.A. Angels of Anaheim <laughs> or something. But uh, but the Yankees were one that, you know, have never done one. And it I, it must speak to something because it seems like a slam dunk. I mean, the Cubs started at this tradition like now 16 years ago. And they have been, you know, they've been at the forefront of it, but the Nationals have been really great. The Padres had theirs the other night, correct? Yeah, exactly. Uh, last week. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm, I, it, it does tell me something, and I'm wondering, given the fact that you know, even the Yankees, they, they clearly don't sell out every game at the new Yankee Stadium, and there's always nights that you know, or teams that are just a little less, you know, attraction. That it would, it's it to me, it's a proactive statement you're making, and the fact that a team, even if there's no one in the community clamoring for it, I think the team, the, if the Yankees announced they want to hold a Pride Night, are you kidding me? They'd have no problem getting people interested in it. So I'm really, I am surprised, and I think it does say something about maybe the old school thinking of some of these teams. Um, you know, maybe in some of the locations they're at, but. I just find it a little bit odd that there's that many teams, given how successful they've been and uncontroversial. I mean, they used to be controversial back when we first started writing about them at some level. There'd be occasionally small protests, but now it's kind of like nobody cares. I mean, and they literally just do not care when gay marriage is legal everywhere in the country. So I think it clearly smacks of something. I don't know that I want to label it outright homophobia, but there's clearly a, a lack of forward progressive thinking on this. When you have, you know, you when, when it's such an easy thing to do, you pick a day, you promote it, you announce it, you, you know, uh, the Phillies had a cool, really a cool shirt last year that you can give that kind of stuff away. And it does nothing but bring goodwill to your team. So the fact that you don't do it is kind of makes you an outlier, I think. Well, yeah, ten, 10 years ago, I remember the, the Rangers had a night and I think they sold 200 tickets to this pride night and had i think it was three or four hundred protesters out front <laughs> protesters actually outnumbered the attendees which was was kind of interesting again 10 years ago in in dallas and uh, uh and then i remember the padres having a night again about 10 years ago and and the pride night happened to coincide with a bobblehead giveaway for kids and i remember bill o'reilly for two or three straight nights having guests on railing against the Padres. How dare you have an LGBT night at the same time you're having a, a kid's giveaway <laughs> as though, of course, gay people are looking to market themselves to children or, or of course, or worse, I think was what the, what the hinting was. So yeah, these, some of them were controversial a while ago. I mean, being at a Phillies game and there being a giant banner unfurled the protest inside the game. But we haven't heard about any of this kind of stuff in years these these nights have come to be pretty well accepted you you, you hear the occasional story about the uh, the athletics did one a couple of years ago they, they they don't every year but a couple of years ago some i guess um uh season ticket holders wanted to wanted to sell their tickets to that game they didn't want to go they were upset and and one of the players' wives offered to buy every single ticket that that, that uh, any fans didn't want because it was ridiculous so we hear about little rumblings, but these are just not 
not a big deal. And, 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 you know, some of the teams, like, you know, I think the Rockies doing this the first night with us, I think they're kind of dipping their toe in. They're not diving in. You're not going to see rainbow flags all around the stadium. Uh, you'll see them dip their toe in it first and realize it's not that big of a deal, and then hopefully next year do a little bit more. Yeah, and I think I think the thinking they remember – the Rangers and they remember the protester and they, they kind of remember that and don't realize that times really have changed that, you know, the, the debate has even shifted off to now about, you know, religious freedom and bathroom bill. That's sort of, you know, the, the terrain that the anti LGBT people are fighting on now uh, because they've lost a lot of the other battles. And I just, I just see it as being so uncontroversial that if you were to do it, but I think it does nothing but engender, I said, goodwill and pride. Um, so what are some of the teams that don't do it? I don't have the list for them. I know the Yankees don't do it. Uh, I'm imagining any teams in Texas, the Rangers or the Astros do it. Yeah, the, the Rangers don't do it. The Astros do it. Do it. I, I couldn't find one for the Orioles. Um, you know, I did, did I put the Rays on here? Oh yeah, I did. Um, I, I couldn't find one for the Orioles. Couldn't find one for the Blue Jays. Both of them have done events in the past. I think even did them last year. So again, so, some of these teams, they may be planning for something in August or September. Uh, so this, this list of 16 will grow over the course of the season, I, I have no doubt. But, you know, and like you said, the, the Angels aren't, uh, don't have one planned right now. The Diamondbacks they couldn't find. So, yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's almost half the league. <laughs> half the league. But some of the nice things, the Pirates are doing one. Um, the, uh, the, the Cardinals are not. The Twins are not. I couldn't find one for the Brewers. The Twins have go done. I know the Twins have done one in the past, and it was in September. So well, I, they've. It could be that they're doing. I, it could be like you said that they're doing one again sometime in September. It's. I went through. Um, I have a couple of months ago to look at every single team. I, I could. I could find one having been done for every single team, except for the Yankees, and I think I found. Just like a passing reference to maybe the, to something the Astros had done, but as far as I can tell, the Yankees are the only team that has never yep. had an LGBT night or Pride night. I I cannot find a record of that happening. Well, I think you're right. I think I don't. We've written about that. If not, we should think about it. Like that. I mean, it. What does it say about that? The ownership or the management there is that. Again, the new Yankee Stadium. You look at their, their games; they ain't sold out. <laughs> you know, yeah. tickets are ungodly, you know, but I they're not I, sold out. I think I will. I think I'll just. I, I'm going to give them a call, and I'm going to ask them what, what. Why has this never happened? You're the only team that's never done this. <laughs> because it's just I want. Yeah, I want to make sure that that that's the case. I I, I really think it is. But B, I think somebody's got to ask them why. And and one of the reasons that we've always offered up, and I think it's a legitimate response is well no one in the community's ever approached us and i i do think that is a relatively legitimate response mm-hmm. I, I think that today you need to have a bigger picture um i think you need to have a, a wider lens of your of your potential target markets so i think that increasingly that's less and less of a of a, a, a valuable answer but I, I think it's a legitimate answer to say you know we'd love to no one's approached us why don't you do it with us? Maybe we'll host one you know, in, think uh, about in it, New it, York it, in August. 
Well, you know, even as a marketer, if you're trying to sell tickets for a team, you think you would reach out to local LGBT groups and say, hey, if we had a night, would you show up and be proactive that way? I mean, that may, you know, because I think every team, given how many games there are, there are always games where there are not sellouts. So, and the yeah. Dodgers have, you know, almost always the highest attendance in baseball, and they have a night, but they also have a top executive who's openly gay. So, um, I do think for the, even these teams, it's a bit of an excuse, but they can still reach out. And every city has some LGBT center or you know group and say, "Hey, we're holding hosting this event. Would you come?" And they get no response, and they can say, "We tried." But yeah, I'd be curious to see what the Yankees have said. But that's they really stick out like a sore thumb, especially based on the fact that the freaking New York Yankees—they're not in the middle of you know Oklahoma. <laughs> Yes, that the St. Louis Cardinals are doing one, and the uh, the New York Yankees are not is, is telling. But either yeah. way, hopefully we'll we'll, we'll 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 dig into that answer with the Yankees uh, in the coming days and weeks, and and hopefully get a good answer. Jim, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the Twins do have one later in the year when it's not 30 degrees out and the <laughs> event doesn't get canceled because of snow or something. Um, I'll put my park on sure. and go explore the wilds of Minneapolis. The wilds of Minneapolis. Well, I've, I've still never been there, but I, I hope to get there at some point. I'm, I'm sure something will bring me there. You're getting the Super Bowl next year, which uh, I, so I guess that won't be it. Uh, but either way, uh, thank you for joining us today, and we'll be back next week. We're taking a week off in a couple weeks because I'm off to, mm-hmm. uh, to Europe. Yay me! But uh, but other than that, we'll, we'll we'll be back next week talking about. I'm, I'm. Who knows what? But we're talking about something fun.